Welcome to the Counter Narrative Podcast, a show designed to change the way we talk and think about education. By sharing stories of successes and triumphs, we aim to challenge the dominant narrative that often negatively portrays our disenfranchised populations. I'm your host, Charles Williams, an urban educator for more than 15 years, a current school principal in Chicago, an educational consultant, an equity advocate, and the co-host of Inside the Principal's Office. Let's get started. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. This episode is a pause to ponder segment. These bi-weekly sessions will allow me to share with you my personal thoughts and reflections on a wide spectrum of topics as they relate to education. It is my hope that you will be able to take something from these segments and apply it in a meaningful way as you continue to do amazing work. Remember, while we all have different roles, we all have a single job, educating our students. So a while back, I remember reading the narrative of Frederick Douglass, and there's there's a section in there that has just resonated with me, you know, quite frequently throughout the years. And as you know, right, that slaves were not allowed to learn to read or write. And so when Douglass learns to read, he starts obviously reading a, a ton of literature and, and information. And in doing so, he he discovers the concept, you know, well, I shouldn't say he discovers the concept, but he's reading about freedom and rules and regulations and things like that. And he starts to realize the hypocrisy of the situation in which he finds himself. But I think as he describes one of the biggest issues that he has is that he has this newfound information, this newfound knowledge, this newfound understanding and yet with all of that, he often feels powerless to do anything about it. And it leads to great uh, stress, um, to anguish, because he's just becoming more and more uh, cognizant of the issues that are surrounding him, the things that had always existed, but that he was just unaware of. And, and I say all of these things because... The more that I continue to do this work, the more aware I become, the more knowledgeable I become, and the more aware and knowledgeable I become, I think the more frustrated that I get. And I say all of this because not too long ago, you know, my grandson has started school. He's about four weeks in, and it has been, it's been rough, you know, as schools are is I'm, I'm starting to see kind of the other side of, of how schools can treat families and they want to evaluate him for an IEP. And I started looking at the evaluation tools and started thinking about our, how we utilize assessments and things along those lines. And, and, and I don't know why it crossed my mind, but it did. I started to think about how often, uh, you know, uh, 
in especially in younger grades, concepts are founded in folklore and mythologies, folk tales, right? Uh, you know, you have very common stories that are just essentially permanent, you know, that, that permeate, I guess, if you will, our, our young children's classrooms of, of like Goldilocks and Paul Bunyan. And, you know, uh, I, I mean, there's so many, right. Uh, the gingerbread man, right. There, there are all these stories that we learned, you know, growing up, right. Disney is a huge aspect of that, right. You got Cinderella and Snow White and, you know, you have a, uh, what's her name? Rapunzel, you know, you have you have all of these stories that just seem kind of uh, synonymous with childhoods in America. And of course, I start to think about it and I said, well, you know, this is extremely Eurocentric, you know, it, which I think is just obviously a reflection of this, uh, our school's systems and society and, and, and how it's constructed. Right. It, it is heavily heavily Eurocentric. And so I started to think about what about all of the students who come into our spaces from other locations, right? I remember at times having conversations with my wife and I bring up a story or a concept and she looks at me like I, I've never heard of that. You know, my wife was born in Guadalajara and she, and she lived there until she was a little bit older and then she came here to America. And so there, there were some of those elements that she never received. And yet, and yet, there are plenty of stories with which that she grew up with that never found their way into common American uh, pop culture, I guess, if you will. And thus, you know, when we would read assessments and stories and things like that, those items were never there. You know, and and I can't help but think to myself as we're assessing students and these differentiated backgrounds, of course, as we talk about being culturally relevant and culturally responsive, you know, how ingrained ideas and concepts must be within a story that I might completely have at home because within our family, that oral tradition is still alive and we still talk about it and we still share it. And those stories are used to, to teach lessons and to pass along knowledge and information. But then I get to school and that those things are not uh, taken into account. They're not valued. They're not considered. Instead, I must now learn a new story and all the nuances that go along with that. So when you assess me on that, I'm still wading through all of these various levels compared to the student who's sitting next to me who has grown up with said story and has that ingrained within their own systems. You know, it's just those little things that I, I don't think that we often think about. And then yet we sit back and we crystallize criticize and critique the struggles of non-native students. And to give you an example, this week was Spirit Week and we had Character Day. And for some reason, this concept was kind of just in the back of my mind as I was going through all of the different characters that I could possibly be for Character Day. And I said, you know what, I'm going to be John Henry, right? I mean, one, it fits, right? I'm, I'm, I'm black, I'm bald. I would like to think that I have an athletic build. Uh, so, you know, I was like, I think I could pull this off. Maybe not as well as Terry Crews, right, and his movie adaptation. But, you know, I said, I, I think I can pull this thing off. So as I'm standing there, as we're welcoming students in, as we do every single morning, I'm standing there in my, you know, my overalls and my my white T-shirt and my boots and my, my little, uh, I, I brought my rubber mallet, 
right? I was not about to bring my sledgehammer to work. And students, as they passed me, they they were taking guesses as to what I was, right? Are are you a minion? Which I I chalk up because our principal was a minion and he also had overalls on. So, you know, they may have had that fresh in their mind, but then they were like, are you Bob the Builder? Are you Farmer John? Are you Old McDonald? I even got Black Thor. I was like, Black Thor? Is that a, is that a thing? And and it bothered me because I kept telling them, no, no, I'm John Henry. They're like, John Henry? Oh, you mean the guy with the, the, the seeds who planted seeds? No, that's Johnny Appleseed, John Henry. And I would continue to say he's part of our folklore, part of African folklore. How, how do we not know who this person is? You know, and, and it just really started to dawn on me throughout that, that they had no clue because they haven't been told those stories and more than likely their parents hadn't heard those stories because somewhere along the line that, that, that tradition of, of oral storytelling was broken when students entered into school and instead of, you know, uh, John Henry, it was Johnny Appleseed and, and things shifted. And then they started sharing those stories and those stories, and that replaced, you know, this other concept, you know, and it made me really sad. And it, it, and I can't just blame our students because even as an adult, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have read any of the uh, Percy Jackson series. Uh, I, I grew up much like many of our students, right, uh, entrenched in the the. Uh, folklore and the mythology that we are taught, which is often Greek and Roman and maybe a little bit of Egyptian. And so I was always fascinated with Greek and Roman mythology and the, the impacts that it has on today's world. And I, and, and I would dive into it and learn as much as I possibly could. And then, of course, when the Percy Jackson series came out, I, I dove into them, even though they're young adult stories. I, I read them and read them and read them and just immersed myself in this world. And I think it was last year, and during our book fair, I saw that Rick had released uh, another series, right? There, there was the Roman one. I, there was a series that I didn't, I was not aware that he had re- released, which focused in, and if I'm not mistaken, it was um, Asian folklore, Latin American folklore, and African folklore. And we happened to have Tristan Strong. Uh, Tristan Strong, I believe it's Punches a Hole in the Sky. I believe that's the name of the book. Um, and so I picked it up, right? I, I bought it. I, 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 there were two copies. I bought one for a classroom. I bought one for myself and I took it home and I started reading it. And I entered into that stage of Frederick Douglass, where as I was reading, of course, I read about, you know, there was a Nazi, right? The, the, the holder of stories, I, you know, John Henry was in the book, but it was interesting because I came across Bear Rabbit, Bear Bear, Bear Fox. And, you know, up until that point, I guess, the only experience that I had with them was Splash Mountain and Disney World, right? I remember those characters in Song of the South, right? And then I remember that, which, you know, that's a whole other story. Uh, But also on Splash Mountain, I remember these characters. But to me, that's all they were. There were these just random characters, right? Far below the hierarchy of Mickey and Goofy and all of them. They were just part of the Disney franchise and nothing more. And yet, as I read this book, I started to realize exactly the, 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 uh, I guess the position that they had in African folklore of rising to the level of essentially of being gods. Now I knew everything about, you know, Zeus 
and, and you know, and Hera and Persephone and, you know, the, all the Greek gods and, and, you know, their Roman counterparts. But I, I, I remember sitting there reading the book and I said, how in the world as a grown man did I not know this? No one ever told me the stories about, you know, the Brers, about Anansi, about Gum Baby. No, nobody ever told me those stories. They were not part of my uh, cultural background, my upbringing. And, and, and I was frustrated and I was furious. And so, of course, as I was walking through the school and students were asking, I eventually created a poster with a QR code uh, to share with them. This is who John Henry is. I need you to learn. I need you to understand. And of course, it gets me to think that maybe, just maybe, this is going to be, need to be an after-school club or an organization that we create as we begin to dive in to the cultures, the myths, the folklore that are from our own backgrounds that we, that we have let die. You know, I, 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 I I would be remiss if not to think about the the story American gods. And there was a part in there where they were just talking about this is where gods go to die when people forget about who we are, when people stop talking about us. Well, I'm telling you right now that I refuse to allow that to happen to to the the African folklore that I don't even completely understand or know, but I am going to dive into that and I'm going to continue sharing that with my students, with my children. And so as if you're listening to this right now, I would encourage you to do the same, to, to explore your own cultural background and to understand what stories exist, whether you know them and they were shared with you, or maybe you have no idea. But to, to take those stories, and not just for yourself, but to, to continue sharing them. So maybe we can bring those gods, those mythologies, that, that folklore, back to life. Until next time. I want to thank you for listening to the Counter Narrative Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to like, subscribe, and of course, share it with friends and family. I'd also love to hear your thoughts about the show, so please leave a comment or two as well. Now, I'm not sure what platform you're using, but the show can be found on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and plenty of other platforms. If the show isn't on your preferred site, let me know, and I'll be sure to get it up and running. This podcast is also featured on schoolrubric.com, where you can find educational articles, videos, and interviews with educators from around the globe. Be sure to connect with me and other listeners by following the show on Twitter at The CN Podcast and joining the show's Facebook group. Take care.